Okay. When it gives me the times, I'll start it off. Let's see. I think it doesn't give me a time, but it says recording. Okay. So I think we're all set. So Alex, I'll get us started here. Um, oh, sir. So let's see, five, four, three, two, and one. Booyah, and it's time for the Game Sports Show. It is your host, David McCaig Jr., bringing you yet another special edition upload powered by the Game Entertainment and Media and sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza, in particular, Little Caesars Pizza in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Now, getting to the special edition co-host, joining here for tonight's upload. You know his voice. He is a general sports analyst here with the Game Entertainment and Media and the Game Sports Show. You hear him a lot on our Top Shelf editions, as well as our special edition uploads, the one and only Alex Parr. Parr, how's it going, pal? Doing well, man. Still uh, still nursing the Leafs blues, but here I am, you know. The, the show goes on. The show goes on, most certainly. Now, getting to our Little Caesar special edition guest. Now, this individual may not have heard our intros that I give, so as much as maybe Parr can attest to them, I'd like to really yeah, go I'll, into- I'll go get a coffee. I'll be back. <laughs> These intros are big. Yes, you may notice that I might be reading a little bit of notes because I am not a little dictionary. I did type out these notes for a reason because this individual does have a very impressive resume. So let's get into that special edition uh, guest introduction. May I also suggest you get a Northern Superior beer while you're at it as well. Now, getting to that guest, he was born in Fort McMurray in the province of Alberta. He is a Prince George Cougars and Calgary Hitman alum. While in the WHL, he was named the CHL First All-Star Team, CHL Goaltender of the Week. Numerous times, CHL Goaltender of the Year was a WHL All-Star, WHL Best Save Percentage, GAA, WHL Player of the Year, and WHL Top Goaltender. The four Broncos and Dell Wilson Trophy, respectively, for those. He's also a Canadian World Junior Goaltender alumni in 2005-2006 season with, of course, winning the gold medal that year and having the best save percentage in the tournament. He also represented Canada in the Spangler Cup. He was drafted third round, 90th overall in 2004 to the Toronto Maple Leafs. He played in the East Coast Hockey League, American Hockey League, National Hockey League. He played in Italy, he played in Sweden, played in the KHL, and most recently with the DEL. The Dell is currently where this guest plays uh, with seven games in the NHL with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Combined with other leagues, he has totaled over 560 professional games that he has in between the now, another fun fact for you, this guest in 2014-2015 had the SHL Save of the Year and was AHL Player of the Week in 2009-2010. Now, why am I starting to lean towards this in the conclusion of the introduction, bringing up the AHL Player of the Week? Well, that announcement was on February 14th, which was Valentine's Day. Don't you love it? Yikes. Brutal pun right off the hop. Well, I can tell you what is not brutal. It is this guest. He's a stud of attendee and very excited to have him on. Justin Pogi. Justin, thanks for coming on the show today, pal. What an intro. <laughs> wow, that was in-depth. Yeah. I uh, feel good about myself there. <laughs> Definitely have a good good resume there, my friend. And for real, I like getting into these introductions a little extra. I wish I could say I memorized that, but come on. Everyone know I'd be bullshitting if I said that. There's yeah. no way you could do that. Did you go that too far? Long a list. I've been around too long, huh? Dave, did you go that far to make a Valentine's Day joke? <laughs> I had to. I noticed it on the internet where it's, it had in brackets February 14th. I've never seen that. So I was like, gotta love it, right? Hey, you I guess. It. <laughs> you know, one thing I do love, though, is the stash. And I, for real, I, I get that. And my fiance tells me to basically hit the curb when I got one of those going on. So, you know what? You pull it off real nice. I thought I'd fly. My stuff. wife would uh, tell me to hit the curb if I didn't have it. So <laughs> opposite. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's been around. It's been around for a while now. So awesome. Got to keep it going. Yeah, most definitely. Now, let's get to the icebreaker part of the show before we dive into our topics. And I want to dive into outside of hockey. Like, who is Justin Pogie? What does Pogie enjoy? What does Pogie essentially do besides stopping rubber in the crease or, you know, being player of the week on Valentine's Day? Like, let's educate our listeners about who you are outside of the rink. Because, you know what, everyone that follows you and also knows about your hockey past has certainly followed you on the ice, but we never get to have that in-depth discussion potentially about what you like to do off the ice. Now I can talk about what I know about through your social media and just kind of through our conversations, but essentially I think it'd be better that it comes 
from you to dive into what you enjoy to do the, the most, essentially. No worries. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a whole lot different pre and post pandemic. And, uh, you know, I'm used to getting out there and, and being outside a lot. Uh, love mountain biking. This year, actually, we got back. We had a, uh, a short off season, shortened off season, only 10 weeks. So um, we actually bought camping trailer my family and uh we took off for six weeks at that time and you know spent it uh just tripping through the states up to colorado and uh doing a little mountain biking and hiking and stuff like that just the, those are some of the things i love and you know just cooking outside and just being outside and getting my kids uh used to the camping life yeah, it's definitely the big thing. Now, uh, you know, and here in Sioux, Ontario, where the show is based, of course, and we have listeners outside of Sault Ste. Marie, but obviously we're really known for that camp life too. And I don't know, Alex, I know you enjoy kind of being outside in the country. You're out near St. Joe's Island yourself. So I know you got a good waterfront property that you're on. Uh, myself, uh, my parents had a big yard and my fiance has a camp. You know, in this area, it's big to go to, go to camp or I know a lot of people like to call it a cottage, a trailer, whatever you like to call it. I don't, you know, yeah. like whatever way it's it's like to be called but it's certainly a different type of freedom right like if you have your work if you have your job you're playing hockey it's it's your escape from reality right you could turn your phone off you can turn you know unless it's yeah. talking to you justin on social media maybe you can turn your phone off <laughs> because i'm so important to talk to you not just kidding uh it's 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 so great to be able to escape right and also with yourself being with family those are priceless moments that you make outside of the rink now here's the thing Alex last year was the, yeah last year was such a uh, shit show um, being over in Europe we got there early and then the season being delayed and delayed and delayed and then shortened and you know it's just the stresses of it all and once we hit the road it was so nice just to have our own schedule and pick where we wanted to be and when we wanted to leave and it's a little bit more cushy than the way I grew up camping you know I grew up in a tent so uh, I don't know if my my son and daughter will ever you know ever know that but uh it's it was it was a blast you know uh bought a truck to do it so it's it's it was fun it was my first time towing a big trailer and um i loved it i could i'm built for the road i think <laughs> i've been enough places you know i lived out of a suitcase so Definitely. i uh, i'm used to traveling light but you got to experience so much when you travel. I know we're going to dive into a lot. I know Alex, when he goes into the first official topic, we're going to dive into where you spent a good bulk of your career. And, you know, I have friends that have played overseas and they've even said, and they've, some of them have played the national hockey league saying that they've actually enjoyed your overseas a lot more because it's so much different. The scenery, the country, learning, adapting to a new society and culture. It's friends that are the big in the Italian league, like Matt Dagasini, for example, you know, he's a Sioux guy who is in the Sioux were basically like, like little Italy, we like to call ourselves. Everyone has Italian. Uh, so, you know, you have someone who is able to go see their family that they haven't met their relatives and just be a part of that culture that was a part of their background, right? And then he's in Switzerland now in transition from that. It's just all the experiences you get to have in, in Europe is fantastic. And Alex, I'll let you dive into the first topic. I think that's a perfect segue. Yeah, when you talk to other players that say, you know what, you can still make a career for yourself uh, overseas, uh, what kind of things do they mention? What kind of things drew you over there when you knew you still wanted to play? Uh, you know, I think a lot of it was just wanting something different. I'd been in the American League for six years, and and by the end of it, you're just a, a roster filling. You're just a number on a sheet of paper, and they don't really give a shit about you. Uh, you know, when you're, a, when you're a prospect, yeah, but as soon as you get down the line and start aging a little bit, uh they don't give a shit. So, I mean, I'd, I'd had enough of it and uh, the lockout was coming. So I knew I wanted to play. I didn't want to be, um, I didn't want to be stuck playing in the coast the whole year and, and maybe not even playing and being pushed out. So um, I got, spoke to an agent over in Europe and he set me up with uh, a team in Italy. I had a Canadian coach, a bunch of good imports, a bunch of guys that uh, were getting pushed out of the DL and down to, uh, down to Italy. So we had a fun squad. We lived in a little village in, uh, in written Italy. I think the village name was Klobenstein. We had a little rink and it was in the Alps, the Italian Alps. And, you know, it was different. That was our first, first experience. My wife and I went over there first experience in Europe and 
you know, it was, uh, it was amazing. You could take a train ride to Venice in an hour and a half and, you know, go to Rome and come back for practice. We have another day off, go back down, meet the family in Rome. And it was just, it's just such a different pace that uh, you don't get. And then hockey is, you know, you have your contract and yeah, it can get hectic at times, but you don't have the GM wondering if you're going to get called up or not. Like you're, you're at where you're at and you take care of your, yourself and, and you're more of uh, as an import player in Europe, you kind of have to push yourself and, and thrive and um, kind of, I, I don't know how to really put it. Uh, you got to look out for yourself a little bit more. So you're on your own schedule. If, if you want to do well and you want to put that extra work in, it's going to, it's going to show off. You're going to jump up through leagues and stuff like that. But if you want to have vacation, you can do that for a few years and, and do that. But um, I've really enjoyed my time over in Europe and, uh, I've been around a few countries now and I, you know, I've, I've loved every different place for its own reasons. And um, yeah, I've really enjoyed my time over there just being a different pace of life and coming back to North America, you miss it and then you miss Europe. So I'm like itching to get back, you know, cappuccinos are better and oh, yeah. beer's a little better. <laughs> <laughs> you said you had a lot of imports on that team. What sort of guys uh, kind of make helped you make that transition over to uh, the European game? Uh, we had a lot of veteran guys like TJ Camp, uh, Ryan Ramsey, just a bunch of guys that had spent time. They'd done the American League. They'd, they'd spent a few years in Germany. And, you know, they were kind of on their, their last hurrah uh, playing in Italy. So we took what we could from them, but they really showed us how to, how to experience uh, Europe and really kind of submerge yourself in the culture and, and really, you know, take advantage of the time you're there because it's not forever. So yeah. uh, my wife and I have, you know, really tried to live like locals when we're there. And it's funny when you talk to people and say, you know, you've been to this place, been to that place, but you know, they, they've spent maybe a few days in one place and we've lived you know, 10 months in Italy. So when I, when I talk to people about being in Italy, like I know, I, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. literally. <laughs> and you, you mentioned there was Italy countries that you've been with Italy, Sweden, Germany. And you know what? Like I've heard mixes right between different leagues about what fans really stick out to you. And I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot because you're still currently playing, but is there a fan base that surprised you? Like, obviously you come from North America, you got drafted by the quote unquote hockey Mecca of the world. We, we won't even dive into what we our feelings with that, Alex, but nonetheless, you have, you have the uh, different countries there where I've had friends play in the IHL and for Europe and the fans are just obnoxious, right? It's like you're at a soccer game, but between yeah. Italy, Sweden, Germany, is there a fan base that surprised you the most in terms of fan loyalty? Uh, I mean, there's, there's definitely every team has their support group or their local uh, fan group. And, you know, they're all amazing, but, you know, my first experience playing in Berlin was I absolutely mind blowing. I didn't I didn't know what to expect playing the Mercedes Benz Arena and wow. playing against the top team Munich at home. My first experience, first game and uh, coming home with the win and the fireworks show and everyone's yelling at the top of their lungs, drums going. And you know, I've experienced the drums and stuff before, but I mean, that was a whole other animal. And then you know, look at the the other end of the spectrum this year. My home rink was the biggest rink in the in the league, but we had zero fans. So, I mean, it was uh, it was tough, <laughs> tough uh, contrast there. But I think Germany, um, they're hard on their players. They expect a good product and they expect you to do well. And I'm not knocking any of the other uh, leagues that I've been in, but uh, I mean, German fans are they're uh, the, probably the most eccentric. Not surprised. You know, at fireworks show, I know I saw your eyes light up there, Par, because fireworks shows should be something North American teams bring into because that's absolutely unbelievable. I don't know if you're going to catch the arena on fire or what's going to happen. You there. know what? I'm not a fan. I'm oh. not a fan. Really? They used to do it in Chicago. I think they still do it in Chicago. The owner in Chicago for the Chicago Wolves, oh, he likes to spend his like money on fireworks and the fucking smoke is in the arena halfway through the first period. It's the worst <laughs> thing. It just smells like sulfur. It's we played playoffs against them when I was with the Marlies and we ended up losing to them, but having to go there and 
just experience the that smoke every every single time and oh uh-huh. I couldn't that, that's stand the home that. better ventilation system for sure health and safety concerns there where's the health <laughs> and safety over there gotta get some yeah. Ontario health and safety laws down there uh, but you know you speak of Europe and you actually I was attracted from one you mentioned in Berlin I think that's where you played with James Shepard and Maxim Lapierre I believe was there and in, in the Hawks prospect Lucas Rick uh, Reichel uh like yeah. did you that seemed like a pretty deep team, uh, like from that perspective, everyone knows members Maxim from playing in Montreal. And of course, James Shepard was a top 10 pick in the NHL when he was drafted. And obviously Lucas is a guy who's still coming up the ranks with Chicago, which I would expect would be a full-time NHLer in the very, very near future, if not by next season, especially the way the Chicago Blackhawks are trending in their retool, if you will. So was that, a, was that maybe the deepest team that you've been a part of, or was there other teams that, you know, maybe because these names weren't there like there was better all-around teams that you've been on no I think that I I mean I came in January 1st and you know I clicked with that group right away and that was the uh the one team I've had in my career that I knew we'd, we could win a championship and uh you know like there was we had everything we had skill grit solid defense, great coaching. And, you know, I, I felt like we had everything in our hands and, you know, we could, just, we were probably the biggest team in the league. We had uh, PC Labrie as a winger and, you know, crushing guys, big D man. And yeah, they ended up winning this year. So I kind of a little butter about that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, it was such a, good group of guys i mean they took me in uh and i had a, I had a chance to showcase myself and got another two years out of it in in cologne so i'm very grateful for my time there and um yeah this stupid corona came in and uh took out my dreams to win a championship but yeah it was it was a great group of guys i mean last was a hell of a leader and chaps is just the best dj in the world i think what's his tune what's his go-to tune is it barbie girl you know by what? Chance? it is a constant organic flow <laughs> of just good jams and you can make requests it's not jealous he'll throw something new in he's the best dj i've ever had in my career wow. i'll put it out wow. i tell him right to wild okay i can imagine some of the people that like to hold the microphone uh, hold the microphone the dj system like i can just imagine some guys would hog it and play some garbage tunes so yeah. it's good to know there's some contrast there with yeah there's some there's some good there's some light at the end of the tunnel there. there's a lot of junk out there but <laughs> well, you, know, you know who the best dj was who was the worst dj oh there you go uh, i i won't throw that out there because no good guy <laughs> good guy <laughs> i don't want to hurt feelings you know i've had mine <laughs> I've, had, I've thrown my iPhone on there and I get chirped a lot just because I'm very random with what I listen to. And I listen to everything. So when I put it on shuffle, it's not one genre. Uh, <laughs> you're afraid of what's going to come on next. I really just like putting yeah, my phone on shuffle. I'm the, same, I'm the same way. I like any kind of tunes. You might hear some Ariana Grande or you might hear some ACDC following that. Like it, it's, literally, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's literally a main mix, but here giving some Ariana Grande some love here on the show. Uh, but nonetheless, are you, you this upcoming season, what's the plans for you? Like, uh, how's it working? Do you go, like, you got to resign a contract? Like, I didn't dive into that much statistics on your background. I thought I'd give you the floor with this upcoming season. Well, I got a uh, second year of my two-year deal in Cologne, so uh, looking forward to getting back there and, um, you know, kind of bouncing back last year was just, like I said before, an absolute shit show, and um, I'm looking forward to having a, a better year, and, you know, the club, I think the fans there, they deserve they deserve uh, a better outcome from uh, what had happened and being able to see, see games that this thing kind of settles down, and um, I, I really felt for the fans, you know, they, they love their team there and they were forced to watch it on a, uh, on streams and, you know, it's not, it's just not the same. The atmosphere is not there. And, um, yeah, it just, it wasn't the same hockey. It didn't really feel like a regular season. No, I bet not. Now, Alex, I might be taking your thunder with this point, but the save of the year award. I saw it on YouTube and you were against Michael Telquist, which is funny. Yeah. Some Leaf alumni ties in there. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's so he's my buddy, too. Yeah. So and it was good. He's my training camp buddy. 
And I watched on YouTube when I watched the award, I watched the comments and your name invaded it. Okay. Everyone was saying, I, I didn't understand all the language. Of course I had to hit the Google translate, if you will, to understand what everyone was saying, but everyone was saying pogey, 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 pogey all the way down. I think TelQuest only had maybe one vote out of the 30. It seemed like on that comment and the save was pretty wicked. And you know, we will, you can check it out on YouTube. You just type in Justin Pogey save of the year. It comes up. So how did it feel to get an award? like that like is that an award where you can go to your buddy like telequest and be like a little flex if you will or how's, how's uh, that? i don't think i could ever flex on telly but <laughs> he's too nice a human being but uh you know it meant a lot to me uh and i was in the running the next year too not just not to pump my own tires but, uh no it, it was amazing i think i won because i had five saves and he only had one it was a five save sequence so and I ended with a pad stack so i mean the style points are just out there off the charts style yeah points. And it was against a, a rival uh, it was like a highway series against orbro and i think we i might have got a shut out that game so this is pretty big pretty big deal you get some good and we're yeah, talking about you getting shutouts because i know you have a gold medal game where you have a shutout so you're almost like andre vasilevsky with these shutouts and some clinching games but before we even get into that that pad stack you were doing I said Dominic Hasek was the first thing that came to mind when I saw you doing those pad stacks. Unorthodox. I loved it. That, that yeah, was, that, it was entertaining. <laughs> yes. I was, uh, I think people in, in Sweden liked me because I wasn't just the standard Swedish goalie. I was the only North American goalie for the longest time in that league. And I, I uh, you know, I, I do pretty standard, but when it comes to having to make something work, uh, I'll, I'll do it. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but, that one, the puck just kept getting farther and farther away from me. I kept shooting it back out to someone's stick and, you know, I just had to roll around, but, uh, you know, it stayed out and we cleared it and won the game. So it was good. Awesome. Alex, I thought I'd give you maybe the last one if you want to touch on the nightlife in Europe, maybe. And I'm not talking about stories of the nightlife, just how different North America might be, but I'll give you the floor with that. Cause I've already stole some of your thunder. In Does the language bear ever get you in trouble where, wherever it may be? Cause there's so many places that had so many different languages. Did you ever run into a situation that you're like, Oh, didn't, didn't want to end up here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, some, sometimes uh, Europeans don't get sarcasm. Oh, they take things, they take things literally. And then, you know, hockey players, that's pretty much our preferred language. Um, so that, that'll get you in some dicey situations with some bouncers and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, usually you have one of the other guys come smooth things over. Right. See, so, I feel like Germany would have a better night out life than any other of the countries you've been in. I just, I've partying, I heard in Germany, like, I know you've had time in the cage shelf. I saw correctly there as well. And the stories heard about Russia mostly alludes to money not being paid. So we won't have to dive into that, but the nightlife in Germany just seems like I've had some friends go there. It seems it's just unbelievable. Yeah, I guess, uh, I didn't get out too much because I, I had my son and we had just got there, but I, we tried going out one night in Germany in Berlin and Berlin's probably the craziest place you could go out in the world. I think it, it's, you could do just about anything there and you'd be walking, walking at 9am around a park and there's some bunker bar and some guy's stumbling out. All you hear is that, you know, that <laughs> he doesn't even know what day it is but the guys told me stories about the clubs they used to go to and i mean i was kind of curious but also a little nervous i'm like i don't think i even need to step foot in there i i one night where we almost got in i was with uh, a couple of the german guys and a couple of the imports and we got past the first bouncer it was like a vibe kind of club and uh he is just before the pandemic was coming. So we were kind of nervous about it. We went out. And, uh, my, my buddy PC goes to take some hand sanitizer that's behind the bouncer thing, just to, just to do the old pump thing. He thought it was public. And the second bouncer didn't like that. So we didn't even make it into the club just because of that. <laughs> Why did he, like he didn't like our vibe. Oh. Feeling alcohol already before he's even in the door. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, that was my experience experience into a weird club that i didn't even get into oh, oh berlin i can just i would love to go to trek up there that is, i can just imagine the night out life out there you, yeah i think don't i think the safest bet though is a uh irish pub because there's irish pubs everywhere and they all serve guinness so i don't i don't have to venture too far too much further than that no <laughs> 
Now, speaking of international a little bit, we'll jump a little bit to now international play. Now, this is where we'll get into a good deal of some of your memories where, you know, North American sides, you know, there's a lot of history here with yourself with, you know, we've had guests say that Stanley Cup winners on the show even say, sorry, that that representing your country, there's nothing better than that. No matter the stage, it's the most rewarding feeling, no matter what level, if it's world juniors, under 18s, the Olympics, the Spangler, whatever it may be, sometimes that's better than winning the Stanley Cup. Now, that might be a cliche statement. Maybe when you compare the Stanley cup to an Olympic gold or the Stanley cup to a world junior, I think those might be all on the same kind of, kind of level. And of course you won a gold medal at the world juniors and you played in 2006 and it was you and Dubnik in between the pipe for them. Great squad overall too. It had of course, Dave Bowling, Chris Latang, of course, Johnny Taves, and you beat Russia five, nothing. If I remember correctly, and that's where I was talking about the shutout where I was kind of uh, comparing you to Andre Vasilevsky with getting shutouts and serious clinching games uh you know can you talk about that experience with the world juniors i know there's a lot that we can kind of dive into here but that must be just something that you will obviously never forget yeah that definitely has been the highlight of my career um you know playing vancouver was uh so special to me i i'd set my goals at the beginning of the season to give myself a chance to to be on that team because it was in Canada and you know that's where you want to play world world juniors is in your home country so um I told myself before every game that uh you know you, you want to make world juniors again let's go let's go and uh sure enough by Christmas time I was there and um that the experience getting to the finals and just going through the round robin I was nervous as hell I was drinking Pepto-Bismol before every game and Pedialyte after and I you know, they, they had to cut my pads down to, to make them legal. And I actually liked them a little bit better because they're smaller. But, uh, yeah, it was it was an amazing time. And, um, you know, being in the hotel with the guys. And I, I can't imagine what the, the group went through this year with, you know, being separated from the boys, yeah. only seeing them at the rink and just being locked in a hotel room. I mean, we, we snuck out and went for sushi and stuff like that. Like, just – this stuff you do as, as dumb kids, and you, you know, I, I felt for them. And, uh, but my experience was, uh, life altering, I guess it was, it was awesome. It was amazing, uh, winning, you know, it, it just happened so fast though. <laughs> you know, you're, you're out the next day, you're flying out the next day. You don't really get, let it get a sink in, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was something else. It, that, uh, Molson Canadian that I had at the end of the night, in the shower was uh was pretty nice it's worth it <laughs> now alex i know you're pretty you're a big avid follower of the world juniors and i think uh, you've said on numerous shows already this year that that might be the only hockey you watch this year again nothing we're gonna dive into there with that for reasons but you have That's for my therapist to deal with <laughs> <laughs> they obviously he played with great players there obviously craig Hart, uh, craig hartsburg was a part of the coaching staff there of course and he's a casual analyst on our show much uh maybe maybe people may forget that Cartsy is on our roster with the game sports show that's my little flex for the day. Um, but <laughs> we, Alex, there's obviously a lot that we could dive into and I'll transition to you here with uh, a topic you want to discuss with the world juniors. Yeah. I mean, just what's the moment that sticks out the most. And maybe a second part of that question is you said how good Berlin probably the loudest arena you played in was for the world juniors, considering you have everybody there cheering for one country. Oh yeah, definitely. By far. It was, it was nuts. <laughs> like uh, there was a pokey chant going on the, the oh, anthem at the end, oh, you know, yeah. just, just going out for warmups was, you know, bone chilling and, you know, you had to show up. I was, I mean, I was literally shaking before every game, but um, I had Paul Maurice tell me one time in training camp that, uh, you know, you're the days that you're the most nervous are usually your best days. So, you know, I took that to heart and, you know, I wasn't scared of it. I more embraced it. And, uh, that, yeah, it was, it was such an amazing, an amazing feeling and being able to win. And with those guys, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's amazing. I got a lack of words. Literally. And Paul Maurice, a Sioux native as well. And friend of the show as well. Another flex. That's two straight flexes in a row for me. Yeah. One of my favorite coaches. Oh, it's guaranteed. Wow. 
Yeah. And you know what? I can even tell from interviewing with him before just knowing him in conversations, people see him on the television as a serious deep talking coach. Right. But you get him talking, he likes fishing. He likes having the, the odd brew like everybody else does. He's somebody who actually has been told by me or by other people that he's a player's coach, that he's actually, you know, he looks out for the best interest of his players. And I know there's been a lot of criticism with him in Winnipeg that, you know, they haven't had a lot of success in Winnipeg. And there's been him and Shevel Dayoff as guys that they put on the stick. But really, it's not them because they have a great coach there. And to hear the words that he said to you there, it's some of those words that stick with you. And that sounds like something Paul w- would certainly do. Yeah, he's an awesome guy. Loves motorcycles. Yeah. I love motorcycles too. And I remember he, he also told me that, uh, doesn't matter motorcycles are kind of like guns doesn't matter what caliber it is if you hold it up your head you're gonna die so be careful (laughs) (laughs) wow that's a good point too (laughs) so i took that to heart uh but uh yeah he i mean i i had him in toronto and you know he was nothing but professional and you know helped me out quite a bit and i don't think uh i think i would have had a lot more time with him um, but the GM involved wasn't, uh, wasn't having it. So, uh, and I know we're going to dive into definitely talking about Toronto a little bit, but the one thing I wanted to bring up with the world juniors is there's actually two minor points, um, to, to one bigger point that was more uh, lead towards now that we can kind of relate to. And I'll go to that first. And obviously on a bit more of a tragic note, uh, Luke Bordeaux was obviously somebody who's no longer with us. He's a teammate of yours. And there's certainly no doubt and the success that he would have had in the National Hockey League just because of the way defenseman that he was. Uh, so, you know, that kind of leads to this point where, of course, that's a situation that's really difficult to talk about. Uh, but have you kept touch with guys uh, since on that team? And the second part of the question was, I was going to go towards Jonathan Taves, where the next year he was a shootout king, where he scored back-to-back-to-back shootouts. So I know that he didn't do it that year with you, but I'm sure in practice, you guys practice shootouts a good but, but good deal. Was he that good in shootouts then? So that's my two-part question. Two different avenues. News. so you go whatever way you want to go with those questions uh yeah i mean i uh you know it's tough to keep track of everyone but you know i've i've uh played on on teams with uh, kyle chiptura quite a bit and i you know we go back and forth every once in a while but i've been on several different teams with them so we've been uh, around each other our whole careers he's retired now but uh yeah i talk to him every once in a while but other than that you know people live their own lives they separate and you know, I'm, I'm happy the way things worked out for everybody. And uh, on the second part of the question, yeah, Taves could score at will on me. I'm glad we didn't have to go to shootouts. You know, and I, uh, he'd get me low blocker every time. I'd be so pissed off in practice. I think I broke a couple sticks. That's when I was into breaking sticks. Yep. Yep. But uh, yeah, I mean, he was, he still had a cage on. I think he was 16. So yeah, young. He was, a, he yeah, was, he was, young. he was a stud and you could just tell he was good. And so surprised that, you know, there could have been, if you do a redraft, you know, that he did go at one of the top picks, but he went in the right spot, but Chicago, the fit there for him, uh, like he's turned into such a strong score, two-way center. Like the way he was in the world juniors is the way he turned out to be in the national hockey league. When you think, yeah, he's the perfect player, really, literally, you know, he's, he's the guy that you want on your team because he's not just out there for points. He's, he's there to play both ends of the rank and, we used to call him Captain Serious or Daisy. Mm-hmm. Why are you so mad? Chip and I get out. Why are you so mad? Why are you so pissed? Look how pissed he is. You know how good of a like a leader you are is when Sidney Crosby comes up to you and asks you if it's okay if he has the seat over you in the Olympics. I remember when that was a story. I believe it might have been in 2010. It might have been in the 2014 as well. Either way, uh, whatever one it might have been. I know listeners are probably going to correct me in the bottom of the comment section. That's totally fine. But either way, they when you got Crosby arguably still I know big people got McDavid as the best player in the world, but the way Crosby had his effect on the game and he changed Pittsburgh, still the best player in my eyes in the, uh, in the national hockey league. If, when you have him coming up to you and saying, are you sure I can have the C then you know that that's somebody who has strong leadership. Oh, yeah. He's in as a good hockey player, but yeah, he's an awesome guy. Yeah. Can't say uh, much, enough about him. Now we did dive into the world juniors there a little bit. You want a gold medal, which is, Certainly wicked, but even within that time, you were drafted. And I'm going to transition to Alex about our famous topic that we get into is the draft story. So, Alex. 
Yeah, basically, we, we ask everybody that comes on. Normally, most people have some weird interview story or how this thing went wrong and this team didn't seem interested but ended up taking them. When you think back to the draft, what story kind of sticks out in your memory? Uh, Toronto media not being able to contact me or even Toronto being able to contact me the day of the draft. <laughs> what what happened? <laughs> and how, how not? Doesn't your agent have to take care of all that stuff? Yeah, well, I, like, to be honest, I, I didn't think I was going to go the first day, so oh. I didn't want to be that guy at the end of the day just bummed and going the second day. So I uh, I knew it was going on. I was, it was a long time ago, so we still had dial-up at our house. <laughs> so the I think I think uh, I thought that um, PSN was supposed to show the whole first round or the whole first day uh, on TV, but they only showed the first round. And so I was checking my computer intermittently. And then I saw that uh, my buddy, Jeff Glass, got signed 89th. And I was like, oh, sweet. I'm, I'm so pumped for him. You know, he gave me advice going into the World Juniors the year before. Yep. And, uh, and or I guess the year after. But uh, yeah, he was such a nice guy to me. I got to know him at the Combine and everything. And I was, I was really happy for him. And then my uh, dial-up cuts out. Oh, you're getting a phone call. It says on the screen. Okay, so I better answer it. It's uh, my agent Donnie Meehan saying that uh, you're you're going to be a Toronto Maple Leaf. And uh, you know, I kind of came out of left field. I didn't have any interviews with Toronto, and well, I had the combine. I did, but nothing after. I thought I was going to go to Nashville because I went to dinner with the guy twice, scout Nashville, and you know, had a really good rapport. And would love to be there. <laughs> I would love, you know, I loved it in Toronto, but I would love to be in Nashville. I mean, they got a good thing going, and. You know, I could have come up with Pekka and learned a little bit from him. <laughs> maybe, maybe some of his style would have rubbed off on me. But, uh, yeah, and I was actually working at the yacht club. I was uh, being a bar back at a yacht club party. Um, I used to be the dock boy to fill up fuel, but they brought me in. They they called me up to the bar to open up beers for people. Eighteen, and uh, so I, you know, stopped by the store when mom was working and. Told her I got drafted, and then I was like, "Well, I'm off to work." And go to work, and you know, I didn't have a cell phone, so uh, no one, no one knew how to contact me or anything. And I just, uh, yeah, didn't find out. Just didn't find out till the next day that everyone was looking for me. Did my went to work, and then actually bought a bottle of champagne underage at the liquor store, and went out underage with my buddies. So it was, it was fun. <laughs> Not not condoning underage drinking, but no, you know, you're 18. Yeah, no, everyone has done and everyone would do it. I had listen to you. Even when you sign and play junior hockey locally in the Sioux, I know there's a lot of times for my friends who get signed, but it's not even the NHL draft. It's different. Everyone has a reason to celebrate, and it's kind of you gotta pop bottles when you have excuses, and that's a good excuse to pop bottles. Uh yeah. Now, I should say it wasn't champagne. It wasn't from France. <laughs> now, you get drafted by Toronto, okay? And this transitions nicely into the next topic we'll get into with the Toronto Maple Leafs, okay? So you start with the Marlies, and let's just flat out say, with your time in, with the Marlies, Justin, and I, I'm a straight shooter, and your statistics were fantastic, okay? So... I just want to know what was the expectation from Toronto? Because obviously there was a trade between Boston and Toronto that traded a young prospect goaltender named Tuka Rask to Boston yeah. for Andrew Raycroft, right? Raycroft coming off a strong year in Boston, Calder winner, you know, obviously. And in Toronto at that time, you had in your time there, there was goaltending things that we'll bring up. Okay. And I think there was one goalie that I'm very envious that you were beside at one point was Curtis Joseph in a, in a particular way, but you know, going back to the point of the lease management, what was the expectation? You know, you get in touch with them that first day after they finally got a hold of you 24 hours after uh, leading up to when you started playing for the Marlies, what did they tell you had to work on? What was leaf management like to deal with at that time? Crickets. Just really, that, that, there was no expectations and no added pressure. Just, I didn't, I had one meeting two years later when Brian Burke was uh, GM saying, you know, you're a good goalie and we're just looking for that X factor. But that's about, that's about it. I got told by, uh, oh, what was his name? Ron Wilson. Oh. Uh, he said, if you were a D man, I'd, 
I'd, uh, you'd be staying up, but you're not. So we're going to send you down. I've, I've heard stories about Ron Wilson from players that have played with him. Okay. Some Toronto guys, uh, and you can check out previous editions listeners. If you want to tune into the, my previous Toronto guests, but you know, <laughs> the stories aren't the most positive. And, and if Ron Wilson listens, I really don't care. Uh, I'll flat out say it, that it wasn't my favorite leaf coach. Uh, when he was there, my arguably my favorite was Paul Maurice. Cause he's from the Sioux. Uh, so that was my favorite one at the time, but and Pat Quinn, everyone remembers Pat Quinn. So those, yeah. my times in Toronto that I've watched growing up and myself and Alex, if you haven't realized now, Justin, we are leaf fans outside of being show hosts, putting our host hat off. We are leaf fans. So we are suckers for pain. We like to call ourselves, um, and the time in Toronto for when you were there, and I'm going to flat out say the, they, they did not develop you properly. They, they, you deserved to be there and uh, you may not want to hear that because that's in the past. We're moving forward hundred percent. It's, it's way in the past, but yeah, it is. you know, if they, the, the way they run teams now, I feel like there is a, there's a lot better chance. I would have been up for at least more than seven games, but. Oh, yeah. You know, that, that Ron Wilson, I mean, yeah, he, so I got called up the day before because they traded for Martin Gerber at the end of the year, just to take, take the salary uh, from Ottawa to help him out, which I don't know why you would do that with a rival. And so he'd shot the puck at a, a friend of mine, the ref, uh, Steve Kazari. And uh, so he, he'd shot the puck at him and got kicked out. So he had, he'd got a gross misconduct. So they called me up the next day to buff to back up Cujo. Cujo's not playing well, gets pulled. I think after the first, I go in, play well. It's probably my third or fourth time playing <laughs> Buffalo. <Yeah. laughs> played Buffalo a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> played uh, Ryan Miller a lot. <laughs> oh, that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. And he's an idol of mine. You know, I, I skate with him, right? Before he retired, I skate with him every summer here, and I absolutely love that guy. He's the nicest human being around. I played against him a lot. And, uh, you know, so the next day we're, we're playing at home against Boston, and, you know, I, there's nothing said to me after the game, nothing, nothing the next morning before pregame skate. After pregame skate, when I'm uh, eating my pregame meal, he goes, folks, uh, you're in tonight. Don't fuck it up. That's his pregame speech to me. Oh, my God. <laughs> Good old Ron Wilson. Where is he coaching now? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Even though and then uh, Mark Recchi scored a hat trick on me. So and then, then I got pulled and never saw another game. See, and I know your first game going to that was against Atlanta. You were called up. Didn't I think it was the first time you were called up. You didn't play, if that's true. I think you called up. You yeah, were- I got called up to uh, San Jose. San Jose. Uh, to take a you know midnight flight, drive with the assistant GM from Rockford to Chicago, and then fly to San Francisco, take a taxi to San Jose, and it was a shit show the night before. Yeah, and uh, you know pregame skate was well. If you're uh, if Paul Maurice pulls me aside, so he's like, I want you to watch the power play and stuff like this uh, because you know Vesta's not ready you're gonna play but if he's not you're gonna back up and uh, i'd already got told before pregame skate by this the team team manager saying uh folks here's your flights after so i i told paul maurice that i'm like uh paul i, I already got my flights back for after the game or for after i fly out at like two o'clock and he's, he just turns around beats takes the other way off the elevator and he was pissed, but yeah. So that was my first call up, and then I get called up the night before, uh, the night before in Atlanta, and you know got to play with a lot of my friends who were in the lineup, and Cujo was the backup for my first game. So I was, you know, it was, it was huge, and we ended up winning. Played Kovalchuk. Yep. Uh, you know, Kovalchuk hasn't scored on me in my career, and I played against three times. So, you know, just saying. Uh, big <laughs> it's an accomplishment for me. <laughs> was he on that team, I think, or was he in Ottawa by then? I can't recall. Uh, I think he was in Ottawa. I, I've got one game against Heater in uh, in preseason, and he didn't score on me. So, uh, yeah. and and a charity game, he didn't score either. So. <laughs> Not a big deal. Great guy, though. Great individual. He has the best meme Twitter page ever. <laughs> like, yes, yeah. he, he does, and I bet he just totally lives lives with it, rolls with it, because. 
he, he's awesome. It, nothing bothers that guy. I mean, the shit that he's went through, uh, I mean, he's a hell of a human being and a very strong person. See, Alex, I know this, I think you're going to go to this too, is that the, his, Justin's statistics in the AHL and the way they came up in Toronto, I have said all the time, and I always said this in my discussions with my friends, I was always talking hockey. Hoagie needs to be up. I loved, and, and I, I'm talking like a, little, like a little elementary school crush here for a second, but <laughs> I was a fan of you growing up, Justin, and I was so excited when Toronto had you when you were in the World Juniors. And I knew from the start, and there's always, there's obviously two different types of Leaf fans. Okay, the ones that are obnoxious and the ones that are realist. I consider myself an Alex realist because we know the background a bit now, which is certainly great. But even before, like, you can see it. Anyone that has two eyes and an asshole can see that individuals like yourself, Luke Shen is another guy I'll throw out that had development kind of errors. And not because you were playing incorrectly or because of whatever. It was because you didn't get the opportunity that you deserved, right? And that's where, yeah, we're not going to go into the whole past of it. But, you know, and Alex, I won't take too much more from you here. Like I have this whole show with a lot of different things. But, you know, in Toronto, it's a tough area to play. And maybe, you know, if Ron Wilson wasn't the head of the helm, there's all that what if factors, right? But again, we can't go back to that, but it would have been so much different. And you would have had different, if you had a different chance, it would have been so much better for yourself. But Alex. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what, what was your welcome to the league moment when you get called up? Is it going down the tunnel? Is it when you take the ice for warm ups, or what was the moment where you just said, holy shit, I'm here? I. You know what? I think it's that first time you pull that sweater on, you look down, and you got a Maple Leafs jersey on. And, uh, I mean, that it's the same with Hockey Canada. As soon as you put that Maple Leaf over the over your shoulder pads, and you're you're it. You you did it. You're you're there. And uh, you know, once you're in the game, the game's a game. It's just like every other game. Guys are a little better. Uh, you know, when you realize that you've achieved your goals and you've got to somewhere where you've dreamt about your, your whole life. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a stunning moment in your life. Um, yeah, it's, it's an amazing feeling when you're there and then it's everything else just being used to it. And, you know, I, I felt like I'm grateful for the chance that, uh, I, I got, I got to play in the NHL and, um, got to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs, got to play in their Canada center. I don't know what the fuck it's called now, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for my opportunity. Do I wish I would have got a better crack at it? Yeah. I wish I would have got to practice with the team and actually got a feel for the NHL, but you know, I was called up and sent back down the next day and that's, that's just life. And then after that, it was the same everywhere else called up. You were saying earlier I, too that the media wasn't able to get a hold of you. Once they got a hold of you, I bet they didn't let go. No, that's it's wild, but yeah, you know, I I didn't I didn't mind being asked questions, but I don't think I was the most interesting person to talk about. I didn't I didn't have any negative feedback. I was just happy to be there. So happy you played with the Leafs before Twitter and before everybody had an opinion that they could uh, broadcast. Yeah, you know what? I uh, all we had was the newspapers, and I didn't. I didn't look at anything but the Sunshine Girl in the newspaper. So I walk in, uh, Brad Harrison, he was our equipment manager. I think he's in Edmonton now and a great, great individual. And I go, how's the day looking? I put it open. Ah, it's a good day today. All right, let's go. And that's about the extent. I would never read any articles. I, it wasn't it wasn't worth uh, your mental health to go and all that. And now it's, you know, multiplied a million times over with Instagram and Twitter and yeah. all these internet feeds and you know people sometimes don't know what they're talking about or they do know what they're talking about and sometimes they're wrong but uh i i'm glad that i missed that um you know i i'm glad it was a little anonymous sometimes because you know when i would go on toronto i wouldn't say i was who i was or, or i work construction or just do something like that like unless i was trying to get in somewhere <laughs> but i didn't go to i didn't really go to many clubs i went to my my spots which are closed now so were, were there any guys on the team that would religiously like go to the newspaper and want to see what people were saying about them or was it kind of right across the board everybody was like no I, it's bad no nah, i think some people get in there and then you know you could see them mentally thinking about their game and stuff like that i uh, i wasn't one of those guys i know when i played bad i know when i played well and you know, sometimes you play well and you lose. And sometimes you don't play well and you win. 
and you could be the hero or the the villain every time. And personally, I know when I, I know when I fuck up and I won't know when I do well. So um, I'm honest with myself. And I think that's the most important thing for young hockey players is be honest with yourself and, and, and work hard. And, you know, if you think that you're playing well and maybe you're making some mistakes, but if you're putting in the work, then, you know, usually you're right. Yeah. And like I was even saying, it's still, still, it even upsets me. I, I, you know, you have obviously, you know, are, you know, very mature about it, which is great to see. And, you know, flat out what I wanted to say before was the Leafs treated you like shit. And it's bullshit that they did. And I know you won't admit that uh, maybe as blunt as I, as may I have there, uh, but who what they did was dumb and it upsets me still because of the talent and you still are you look at the resume that you've done right everything worked out but again it's still very frustrating especially if you're a fan of the team to see what would have what could have been but now obviously even outside of toronto you you were moved to the ducks into the hurricanes right and uh you ultimately signed in 2011 with the arizona coyotes and free agency you know, after you were done with the Yotes, when you're in the HL, you already touched on this. You moved over to Europe. Of course, you found out that, all right, this is where, you know, I don't want to bounce around in the American Hockey League or the East Coast League or have this basically bullshit happen where you should have been up, but you weren't. And you go overseas and you've had the experiences you've had, which was fantastic. So you, out of all that, after Toronto, was there maybe an opportunity that you thought, okay, this is my second kick, or did you find that it was the same each place that you went to, basically? Well, when I went over to Italy, I had a, a five-year plan set up that by the fifth year, I either wanted to be in the KHL or back in North America. And, um, you know, I, I had to start from the bottom. You know, I didn't have that many NHL games, and it was a lockout. So I started in Italy, and the next year, I knew I wanted to – play in a league that I can kind of filter down after time. So Sweden's one of the best leagues over there and not, not knocking Germany at all, but Sweden's, I mean, you can just tell by the amount of players they have in the NHL right now. They're, they're putting out good product and they they're playing the right way. And as a goalie, they play the right way. So, you know, it helps your stats. And so I went there second league and then moved up down the highway a little bit to Karlstad. And I had two solid years there and I thought, that you know what you know i i was the second second in uh save percentage and goals against average for two years in a row and um i thought well maybe i'll get my shot you know there's there's spots open and uh yeah they just i think i had the toronto bug over my head or you know it was just tainted so i never never ever got a chance to come back and i i had the numbers but I did get to go to Russia, so I did fulfill my goal. Um, it wasn't the greatest experience, but it was a life experience. You know, talk about getting paid and stuff like that. It's, uh, it's, it's true. Yeah. You don't get paid unless you're on the good clubs. Yep. But uh, I ended up getting all my money three years later, so it's I'm, I'm happy about that. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I thought that there's a chance I could, I could get back and at least get a tryout, but nothing just crickets that's so i it's so mind-boggling to me my friends and i still talk about that that situation in toronto where with yourself and luke shen those are the two players that we talk about all the time that it's always you and shen <laughs> that, that we that we talk about and i believe ron wilson was there with luke shen too if i remember correctly. oh yeah yeah. yeah, I think that is the recipe that filled that disaster. I know Paul Maurice was a part of it there, but you were in your development yeah. stages at that I time. I think he's in a, a little bit different of a boat, boat because, you know, he was there, but he wasn't getting the chance to play or play the way that he should have been utilized. And yeah, he was a great kid. I remember I got along with him right away. Yeah. Um, you know, Western guy. And uh, yeah he just wasn't utilized. And then you go and see what he does everywhere else. He, I mean, he wasn't the D man that was going to score a hundred points. He's not, it's not him. He's, he's stay at home. D he's going to, he's block shots. He'd play the gritty game, but sometimes we look past that, uh, that characteristic and we all want guys that can score a hundred points, but at the end of the day, you don't make it past the first round. No, and they still don't. And the thing is, it's it's funny, but it, it's also extremely painful. And I'll say the worst general manager in Leafs history is John Ferguson Jr. Okay. And not because of trades, 
not because of trades that happened, not because even players that he's drafted. There's actually been some that were, were good, of course, but just his role. And that's my flat out thing. I won't shit talk Leaf management too much because I feel like they might show up my door, especially since Dubas is from the Sioux and also know him on a level. So I will, I will keep that uh, on another level. But, you know, you, Alex, I don't know if you want to dive in a bit more with the National Hockey League before we dive into our uh, conclusion portion. No, I think I think we touched about every basis we could have. Dave, I, I hope you're feeling a little better. I hope you got something off your chest there. Definitely sounded like it came, it came from the heart when you were saying it. So, Oh, you know, I wanted to make sure I said the right thing. So I kind of stuttered just a tad. Uh, and the right thing was I should have just been blunt, like I said that I was, where I should have just said that they treat him like shit. And I'm glad that he came on the show and, and I was able to tell him <laughs> that to his face. So, yeah, you know what? I'm pretending Justin isn't here. Uh, and I'm saying that, yes, I, I – uh, <laughs> I'm happy I did get that off my chest. But now that knowing that Justin is still here in this conversation, is there anything before we get to our conclusion slash bonus questions, which is another fun topic we get into before we wrap up, is there anything you want to dive into with the NHL, AHL that we may have missed? Uh, no, I mean, I, I, it's funny to every year, you know, I go on Twitter every once in a while and put in my name and it's still the same talk about the trade for Tuka Rask. And I was the, everyone, everyone just could fuck right off. It was, they traded for Andrew Raycroft. Why wouldn't you have two good goalies? There's two spots on a team. Exactly. You know, exactly. So that's, that's just what I want to end with on that. I'm, I'm very <laughs> grateful for Toronto organization for, uh, for having me and, and giving me a chance to live out my dream. I wish it was longer. Yes. But uh, that's that's all I want to end with. And it's hilarious. People still talk about it. <laughs> and you know what? Two quick things with that. You know, it's very great with respect to Toronto. You're not shit talking them. I'm the one who's shit talking them a little bit, of course. And that trade, it had nothing to do with having Justin Pogge and putting the all the onus on you. They thought they were getting a good goaltender in Raycroft. It didn't work out. It worked out the other way. People don't think and use their head sometimes. So it would have been great if it was a perfect world that Raycroft worked out the way he should and that Justin was developed the right way that he should have been had the chance he should have had. Then they would have had uh, the tandem that was the best of all time. But it didn't happen that way. And that ultimately it worked out yeah. for you in the end. If they didn't trade all their first round picks for Brian Leach, you know. <laughs> Brian Leach. I, mean, I wouldn't have been the first overall pick. They could have picked someone. <laughs> Phil Kessel, like whatever it may be, right? Oh, so, man. Uh, we could talk for days. We could, uh, we could talk for days. But now getting to our conclusion and the wrap of the show, the, of course, the tradition that we do, Justin, is we have a bonus question where it go, can go both ways. We ask you a question, you, and it's usually a one-word answer, but we've had guests that have dived into stories about it. Uh, one particular longest story is 27 minutes long. So I'm not expecting you to break that record. You have timed it. Yeah. 27 minutes long was one bonus question. I won't throw that guy under the bus because I know he listens routinely. Great guest though. And I know I'm going to get a message for that afterwards, but nonetheless, uh, the topics that, that myself and Alex bring up, just a random question and you can answer it. So firstly, and I will go first because usually everyone thinks Brendan Brooks, who's the usual co-host with myself and Alex as well, uh, that he has the better question that breaks my heart that people say, say that uh, but I'm gonna let Alex go last because I like going first so with your time with your time playing to date giving you two options to go with here what shooter do you fear the most or did you fear the most out of all the players I've played against and played against uh on my team or anything just in general in general kind of like Taze earlier <laughs> yeah I mean Taze was Taze was pretty scary. Uh, but Matt Sundin could score a will on me. Oh, okay. I love that name. I love hearing that name. Oh, that Bless that man's soul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm grateful because I got to play with some or just be in training camp with some absolute legends, you know? Yeah, yeah. Ed Balfour, I was Balfour. in training camp with. Well, I actually cool. trained with him in the summer. Ed, Ed the Eagle, you know, like, <laughs> unbelievable. And then I had Curtis Joseph. You know, my first training camp was absolutely hilarious. Jason Allison, we had Matt Sundin, Darcy Tucker, oh, God. Uh, Brian Marchment, like, <laughs> Aki Berg was there. Berg! <laughs> like, just some absolute beauties. Hal Gill I played with. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Who else was there? And it wasn't, it wasn't, oh, man. I'm at the point. He's I'm from St. Louis. I can't. Jamal Mayer? Uh, well, I actually got a story about Jammer. 
Oh, oh, shoot. Go ahead if you want to. <laughs> so, so it's my first time parking at the ACC. And I, I at that time, I'd, well, yeah. So I'd been called up. I, I bought a, a brand new at the time, 2008 Nissan Xterra. Mm. Nothing compared to what the other guys are driving. <laughs> so I park underground at the Air Canada Center, one of the farthest parking spots away from the door. Cause I'm like, okay, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to park front row. No, I don't know if you don't want to make that mistake. <laughs> I go in there and I'm early. So I'm working out and stuff like that. And I think I'm uh, getting a little like tape on my knee or something like that, or just doing something and just maybe just hanging out in the, in the medical room. And Jammer comes in, who the fuck drives a Nissan Xterra? <laughs> I, I go, he's like, you think, you think he'd, uh, it's a good idea just to park in the biggest spot. I'm like, oh. <laughs> he has like a big SUV, probably an Escalade or something like that. And I'm like, oh my, <laughs> what can I do right here? Max I'm Fire. sorry, Mr. J- Mr. Jamal. <laughs> I'll go move. <laughs> Max Fine. And I, I think the guy from St. Louis maybe been Alex Steen. Uh, Steener was a great guy. No, older guy. Ah, fuck. Uh, He's from St. Louis. He's an American. Uh, I'm Colin Dave, I got this. Lot Lee Step. Not 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 Doug Wade. Jason Blake. Nope. That's no, I played him too. He's from Minnesota. Yeah, he's from. He's Minnesota. an individual too. Yeah, he. I. Yeah, he is. Kip Stapleton. No, he's from Chicago. Him. Love that guy. Where yeah, does, he's from Illinois. We're just firing it off. Is it Chris Hansen? No, he's from. New no, York. he's a, he's like a legend. He's like. Man, why can't I think of his name? I think he was in – never mind. I don't even know. <laughs> but it, it, a bunch of Hall of Famers I get to play with. And, you know, I, uh, I'm totally grateful for that. It's Today's age would never happen where you're going up as a 20-year-old and the, uh, the other goalies are 40 and, you know, 35. <laughs> that, that just that won't happen anymore. I, as much as I would like to be that 40-year-old, it's not going to happen. No, and you know what? It's you have guys like, for example, Carey Price, right? Pekka Rene, who just uh, at the time of this recording just simply announced his retirement. Um, you know, it, it comes down to that some those are different breeds. They don't make them like they used to. I still consider Price into that era where now if you look at today's hockey with the younger guys, I'm very interested to see how like McDavid can keep up with the speed that he has and like goaltenders that can keep up the big goaltenders that are uh, known right now, if it's going to change because all the training is so dynamic, but it's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's really unbelievable. Par, I'll let you go to your bonus question. I liked my question went elongated there. I like it. It expanded to something else there. I love that. Try to help you out. <laughs> Fill up the I'm not very long winded, but <laughs> no, you're good. You said you played Ryan Miller a lot, but when it comes to goalies, you played against who was the one goalie that had the most difficult time getting a win against you and your team? Uh, I'd like to say I beat Ben Bishop one time. So I'll give you I had that going for me. Uh, you know, I loved what he did with his uh, with his career, and I uh, you know I was pumped pumped to beat him. Absolutely pumped. I think I beat Corey Crawford once in Rockford. Um, but yeah, that's, that's about it. I think I beat Telly a couple times in, uh, in Sweden. So I'm happy about that. Nice. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tough to look at the other guy down the other end. Right. Yeah, no, it is. It, you know what? Being a goalie, everyone says they're different breed, but we've had some good goaltenders on the show and that's yourself, uh, Jason Picasso, Scott Darling, who was, an absolute beauty. Charles is a beauty. Yeah, he he's is. a great guy. Par asked him. He said, "So why do you think?" Uh, so something about Carolina, and he's about his stats. <laughs> oh and yeah. Out he goes. Well, uh, so Scott, why do you think it wasn't a good thing, Carolina, or something? And Scott goes, "Why the fuck do you think?" <laughs> 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 you know, like that's one of the iconic questions on the show. But they say goaltenders are beauties, but none. No, no goal. If no, anyone has the balls to stand in front of rubber and stop a puck, okay, you're 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 an absolute beautician, but a legend because you're the last line of defense, and you got to build a team from the net out. That's what makes success. Just look at some teams, especially one team that made the Cup Finals this past season, uh, that was built from that perspective. So goaltenders are heartbeats of a team, and they should be given more credit. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> 
<laughs> now, Justin, this has been a great show. Glad they're able to have you on. And all your answers were great, just so you know. We, we love all of that. Uh, I want to say thank you um, and to have you on the show. Uh, we'll touch base again in the future sometime. We'd like to keep track of you going on to the season, see if you have another save of the year come up or something. Maybe this will be the year that you can take a championship home. Yeah, um, you know what? I got a few more left. I got some, uh, I still got some tread on these tires. So I'm 35 and staying alive. Love that. Love that par. Yeah, no, thanks for being a, a good therapy session for Dave. I feel like he's going to have a way better week going out. So I uh, just <laughs> a little weight off the, the shoulders. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's able to uh, finally let it out. And uh, I could tell it was eating at him. So thanks for uh, being that for him. Oh, thanks part. <laughs> no worries. I'm, I'm glad that uh, it all worked out and we could uh, make this happen. You know, the token one podcast a, a year is good for me. It keeps me uh, relevant. <laughs> As you said, you're still on Twitter. You're still tre- You're still trending. You're still trending. Yeah. I'm not very good at social media, but uh, yeah, I, I try. I'm more of a scroller than a, than the active. Uh, you know, be be a part of it. And it's good. This has been certainly fun and hopefully all the listeners enjoyed it. And again, thank you to Justin. It's been great. And, you know, hopefully going forward that people that are developing prospects, give them a chance when they deserve it. That's the message of this interview. We'll keep it at. Okay. <laughs> but everything, everything's great. Uh, looking forward for you. Still got a lot of years left. Excited to keep track of that for yourself. And again, thank you, Alex. Thank you. All the listeners, make sure you hit like, follow, and subscribe on all the platforms of the game sports show and the game entertainment and media. And trust me, we are everywhere okay i'm not going to go through that list because we don't have that much time there's so many platforms we're on just search us social media on anywhere you get your podcasts just get on there and if you want some great content not being biased here even justin will attest to this we got some great <laughs> content great interviews great news shows all fantastic stuff that you do not want to miss out on now getting to the conclusion i would like to remind you to keep your stick on the ice swing your bats catch your touchdowns drain your threes and shoot your shots booyah <laughs>